Hey guys, Brian Jodis back with another episode of Pick Up the Six podcast. Before we get to our conversation today, huge shout out to a couple of great sponsors that make this show happen. And we love them. And I was just talking to our guest. We'll bring him in in a moment. He's talking about, man, I'm kind of jet lagged. I was traveling a bunch and I'm like, hey man, you need to get some One Nation coffee. Veteran owned and operated. Our boy, John Richards, former Navy EOD. Absolutely love him and his company because they're making great coffee that is roasted down just outside of Charleston, South Carolina, and they're doing it all uh, for great reasons. And their pickup line is we have your 6 a.m. with and when you're hanging out at pick up the six, it kind of fits. And so we'll ship some coffee off to our man uh, who's going to join us here in a moment. But go check them out. OneNationCoffee.com. Use the code PUT6 and you can save some cash on your caffeine just like that. So thanks to those guys. We drink it on the regular around here. And I've got to thank my friends at Amino Vital. Go to Amino-Vital.com. We just ran the Blue Ridge Relay this past weekend, and almost every dude in our van was putting that amino vital recovery right in the water bottle when we got done for those blockchain amino acids, for uh, that good carbohydrate, uh, for all those good things. So go to amino-vital.com, use that same code PUT6, and you can save some cash to get a little bit better and get that recovery done well. All right, so we've got an incredible show coming up, and typically I sit down and write this intro out, right? Put some thought into it, but honestly, I just got done with this conversation, and I'm just going to take it off the cuff because I just had an amazing chat with a guy named Adam Davis, who you're going to meet here in just a few moments. Adam has an incredible story. He's former law enforcement, but he had some things happen in his life that would have most of us ready to quit, and in fact, he was. And so I can't wait for you to hear this conversation about perseverance, about surrender, a good surrender though, and about living unconquered. Listen to this entire conversation. In fact, we take a quick break in the middle. And when we come back, Adam drops something on you guys that is going to blow your minds. Enjoy this conversation with my friend, Adam Davis. Adam Davis joins the show, and uh, he's the man that is living unconquered. Adam, good to have you on Pick Up the Six, man. Oh, Brian, thank you for having me on, brother. I appreciate the opportunity. You know, I reached out to my friend Jeff Forrester, who has become the referral machine. Oh, he is ridiculous. He is so good, man. (laughs) If I had to put odds on who has sent more folks our way to be on these very airwaves, uh, Jeff Forrester's got to be near the top. Um, yeah, which is awesome. So what a guy he has what got, he has got a lot of connections and man, he supports his friends and people he believes yeah. in. And I'm honored to be a part of that group. <laughs> so I re- so I reached out. Jeff. Yeah. I reached out with something. We're working on something. I, I'm going to be I'm not going to hold back a lot of details, but know that you've been seeing me sort of in this NGBN.TV space, right? Where we're creating a network for men, their forties, fifties, and sixties. And we're working on something and I needed somebody for something. We'll tell you more about it later. Adam's going to tell you more about it later. I will too, because Adam's going to be a part of it. But Jeff goes, Adam's the guy, you need to talk to Adam. And then you and I got on the horn. I was like, oh man, this is awesome. This guy's great. What a fit. So bro, I'm just excited, man, to, for us, for me to get to meet you this way, for our audience to get to meet you. I just alluded to you were traveling. So let's start there, man. You're on the road. Speaking to some cops in LA, a uh, little dragging today, but you, you got the gusto yeah, to, a little to bit. get we'll to it. Right. What yeah, were you doing this weekend? Yeah, yeah I traveled out to uh, to Los Angeles, speak to a group of 
LAPD, LA Fire, Los Angeles County Sheriff's, uh, Los Angeles County Fire, a mm. great group of people. Had a great crowd come out Sunday night for a first responders 9-11 event. Nice. And uh, they had a lot of good food. Um, it was it was really, really incredible and like gave away, I don't know, probably 300 something books. Boom. Um, and and so, which, you know, between the church and the sponsors and the partners there, and then the partners with my Live Unconquered Foundation nonprofit make stuff like that possible. Uh, next stop is outside of Little Rock, Arkansas, and then uh, Kansas City, Missouri, Birmingham, Alabama, Houston, Texas, coming up. So traveling, man. Uh, yeah, I've hit I've hit coast to coast this year. Was New York City doing Good Morning America, and then spoke to NYPD while I was there, and uh, been everywhere in between. Uh, so yeah. it's been by far the busiest year I've ever had, and you know I'm thankful for the doors that God opens for me, and and uh, you know Unconquered released in April of this year, and. That has created a lot of opportunities, and I'm very grateful for those opportunities and and for the lives that are being impacted through vulnerability, sharing my story, and and through the Unconquered Code. So yeah. I'm very grateful for an opportunity to get connected to you through Jeff and to be able to have this conversation today. We're going to talk more about what that is, right, that Unconquered release. Adam's been busy, man, and uh, he's got a lot for you guys to consume and to be a part of. Before that, I want to I still want to talk about the LA thing a little bit more because, yeah. you know, conventional wisdom and looking from the outside in is that city's gone to shit, you know, just a disaster. Who would ever want to go there? But my guess is, and while part of that is true based on things that are sort of allowed to happen on the ground, you got mm-hmm. to see the good, you got to see the good in it oh, dude. when you were out Listen, there. Listen, I've been to places where, um, in this country where I've heard a lot of people talk and say the same thing, you know, say mm. the same thing about, um, other parts of the country. And at, at the end of the day, you know, the voices that we hear the most are coming through microphones that have the loudest volume. Mm. And so you hear a lot more about the bad than you do the good, but there's some good people in, in every place I've gone to. Mm. And I can tell you this in, uh, we all don't believe the same. We all don't have the same perspectives. We all don't have the same experiences, but at the end of the day, when it all boils down, most of us want the same thing. You know, we want to, we want to preserve the America that we grew up in and we want to preserve a way of life where God forbid you have your worst day and you call nine one one and you need help that you have good men and women responding to those calls. Mm. And political agendas be damned we've got to overcome the force of evil that has pushed to eliminate the men and women who answer calls uh, through law enforcement and they want to whether it's defund or cut funding or remove equipment or training or change the way they do things whatever We've got to preserve a way of life so that our children have a country to grow up in where they're free, where they're safe, where liberty is preserved. And it requires us being the line in the sand saying we're going to preserve this. And But most of us can't do that because we've got pain that we carry from our own past and we can't move forward Mm. to fight for others because we we can't even fight for ourselves. I was on the calling end of a 911 phone call this weekend and got to see good people that I'd never met in a kind of remote-ish area spring into action. Yeah. So running that relay race, and we unfortunately had a guy that suffered some really 
really bad uh, dehydration. Yeah. Uh, probably should have taken some of that amino vital, to be honest with you, <laughs> uh, in all seriousness. And But it was sort of compounding things. I'll just give you just a brief bit of his story just because it adds context. Cancerous kidney removed a year ago, severe mm-hmm. back injury, battled back. All of that stacked up with some dehydration. His body just right got out of whack, and he passed out in our van. And we had to call 911 uh, at the top of Grandfather Mountain. And those fine folks from down in Linville came flying up the hill to bring him oh, yeah. that aid, right? right. And your point is, you shouldn't have to wonder <laughs> when you make that call if somebody's coming, they were there in seven minutes, right? And mm-hmm. talked us through what we need to do. And he was great. And we got him to the hospital and got three dang bags of fluids through him and all that, right? But to be able to see that spring into action, you know, like that's something we shouldn't have to to worry about and take for granted. Some communities probably are- and there are and there are communities in the country where that's an issue where recruitment and retention right. uh, morale has been affected for various reasons. And but I can tell you unequivocally, there are some phenomenal human beings that I met out in near L.A. and some great, great, great Americans, great people that that love their community. Mm-hmm. And and I've met them all across the country and. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to just continue to talk about the good days and the good people that used to fight for this country? Or we're going to be that. And so you gotta, you gotta be what you want and, 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 and we've got to fight back. And so that's, that's sort of the, the direction where I go around and I share my story and I share the unconquered code or piece or two of it, um, and do some training in different parts of the country. Man, it's, it's incredible to see what happens when, when people find freedom mm-hmm. and the the fire kind of in their belly to fight back and and fight back the right way, you yeah. know it's it's really it's really encouraging to see some of the fruit that comes out of this. Um, let me I'm going to unpack something with you. I'm just thinking about it in the moment. That's why I was thrilled to have this conversation today because we got some things that I want to hit on, but I also just wanted to kind of just see the way our conversation permeated. And you said something in there about you know we can't just be sort of looking back as you know remember when we would have done this or. Look, man, it's somber and it's not apples to apples, but, you know, this week we uh, recognized once again, another yearly anniversary of that fateful Tuesday, it was 10th of the 11th, 2001. Here we are 22 years removed. And it's probably easy to say, like, do we have people that are still willing to run into towers like that? And I think your answer is absolutely. And don't 100%. get jaded that we don't hundred mm-hmm. percent. And it might be easy to fall into the traps of everybody sort of divided, but I'll tell you what, man. Oliver Anthony Music puts a song out that resonates with people across the board, across political bounds, across race, ethnicity, gender, right? Because he's talking about real things that people care about. Mm -hmm. He's talking about real emotions that are evoked. So you see it even in that moment, right? That dude galvanizes the entire country with one song singing in in the the hills of Virginia, right? Like crazy, man. Yeah, and and I think that that's one of the things that you'll see is anytime there's an emergency, uh, even if there's not enough of, of first responders on staff in some community for whatever reason, good Americans still answer the call. And people will always come together and fight for this country. Now, there may not be as many as there used to be, mm-hmm. um, and they may not be as experienced as they, as they used to be, but there's still a core of Americans who will always, always answer the call 
to fight for this country and fight for their communities and, and to respond to the needs of their communities. And, and that is what makes our country phenomenal. That's what makes our country great is the people. It pisses on the economy, uh, on the politics, on the agendas of politicians. It's the people that make mm. us great. No so, so-called leaders make us great. It is us that makes us great. And when we decide to, instead of turning back to back and resisting and fighting against each other, turn face to face and come together and say, you know what? I believe differently than you and you believe differently than me. But at the end of the day, we want some of the core, same, some of the same core things for ourselves and for our families and for the future generations. And we're not going to be the generation that let this country dissolve and fall into chaos. We're going to be the one that drew a line in the sand and said, I've got your back, brother. I've got your back. We don't have to believe the same way, but I've got your back. And we have faith in in our in who we are as a core. Down to our core as a nation, as Americans, we have faith in each other again yeah. that we're going to do the right thing. And, and yeah, I mean, anytime there's something like that happens, I, I saw it yesterday morning, uh, like five something in the morning at LAX. And they uh some some of the tsa agents began to yell first tower hit first tower hit first tower it was 546 pacific time so 846 eastern and they began to yell first tower hit and everything in that airport came to a complete standstill man mm. i'm talking that about the belts that the Ooh, luggage just, is running yeah, on i just got a little came to a complete Ooh. stop yeah. and every person if they continued to move tsa agents pointed at them and said stop stop where you're at now. And so everybody came to a complete standstill. And then a voice came over the intercom and said, in honor of the men and women who lost their lives that day, in honor of the men and women who've given their lives since and all who were affected, we pause to remember. And, you know, when you think of Los Angeles, all you hear is, man, that city's gone to crap. It's gone to, to the pits and all this. Well, there's still some damn fine Americans in this world. And I'm really sick and tired, to be honest with you, of the evil getting the the magnification and getting the glorification across this country. Mm-hmm. And I think that we transfer it's time we transfer the microphone to the hands of good people like Oliver Anthony, you know, people like the people who who lost families that day, people that have a voice, that they have a message, they have hope, they have inspiration, they have a story to tell. And they have a principle that they stand on to fight for this country. And the, I saw it yesterday morning in, in Los Angeles. And that's something that you would expect to see, you know, in, in the South or, you know, a, a conservative, quote unquote, conservative city. But it happened in Los Angeles in, in LAX in the airport. And they stopped and they honored Americans that day. And, um, man, I'm so proud to be an American. I know that we've had hard times and I know we've got some bruises and some scars and some wounds and we probably will have some hard times ahead of us. But, uh, but when we come together, we are an unstoppable force because we have each other's backs. When neighbors look out for neighbors again, when brothers look out for brothers and they don't just say it, but they really, really do it and they mean it. That's what makes us great, man. That's what makes us great. But we have to be willing to to get rid of the pain that we're carrying. So you can't pick up the burden of another if you can't unload your own. And and we got to be able to carry each other's burdens. But we can't if we're allowing the burdens from our past to weigh us down 
and take place of the burdens that we could carry for somebody else. That's what makes us great. He's Adam Davis. He's talking about living unconquered more from our conversation, but a quick word from our friends at NGBN. This is NGBN TV, a network for men and home to top experts, speakers, authors, and more. I'm Chris Rubio of The Rubio Method. I'm Charles Wallace of the Bear Essentials Podcast. This is Bud from the Sports or Gibberish Podcast. Streaming TV for men, created by men. Hello, my name is Ian Hill, and I have the tremendous honor of being the CEO of NGBN.TV. We are so excited for you to join us on this journey, helping us build a television network for men in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. I am NGBN. I am NGBN. I am NGBN. I'm NGBN, and so are you. Join our movement at NGBN.TV, coming January 2024. We're all excited about what we've got coming there, January 2024, more on the horizon. Go to NGBN.TV and get signed up, right? Join the list, be the first to know uh, as we get ready to launch that. Tell me a little bit more, man. I want to get to know you, right? Cause we've had some, some good conversation on the front half here about kind of things we're seeing and feeling. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I mean, I'm shutting, sitting here nodding my head along, but, uh, but Adam Davis, right. You got a life in law enforcement, right. That's obviously had a big impact on the things that you talk about and do now. So, man, let me just get to know you a little bit. Give me the story. Give me the scoop. Yeah. My, my story doesn't start in law enforcement. It starts as a little boy, uh, about five years old, my parents divorced and I was left with a neighbor who was an older male. And uh, started off like, you know, I would consider normal. I got to watch the good cartoons, you know, the ones that ended with that's all folks, you know, it was mm-hmm. the good ones. Mm-hmm. And I got to eat the, all the sugary trash cereal I wanted <laughs> and, and got to play outside and drink and, from the hose uh, and yeah, all that good do stuff. All man. the good stuff, man. Yeah. And, and then one day he put a, a VHS tape into the VCR on top of a console TV and uh, it was pornography. And it wasn't long after that he began doing the things to me that he was watching on TV. Mm. And, and, um, you know, I, I still have, have memories, but it doesn't affect me like it did in the past. And so from a very early age, I had a kind of a grip of fear, just like soul paralyzing terror on me. Uh, but that wouldn't be the, the last time, um, you know, it happened again. My, uh, one of my parents remarried. She married a, a, a Pentecostal preacher. So I was in church. I always say this jokingly. It was like we were in church 13 days a week. And so we went all the time. And, mm-hmm. and when I was 15, I was left with a babysitter who was a leader in the church and married, excuse me, in her thirties with children. And she'd make me strawberry daiquiris with Bacardi and we'd have sex several times, several times a day for about a year until I turned 16 and I was blessed with, uh, my dad gave me a, a geo Metro, um, like a, a, a light green geo Metro two door hatchback manual transmission. That thing got like 60 miles to the gallon, man. You could fill it up for and, 10 bucks, bro. And you'd be running all damn <laughs> yeah. day. And, and, uh, one night I, as soon as I was able to, I started going to a different church for obvious reasons. And it's hard to explain how manipulated and how deceived I was and things that they'd say, like, you know, God put you here to be a part of her healing process or whatever. And it was really jacked up. And, and I'll just pause and say, God's plan for you will never be a felony unless standing up for your faith becomes a crime. 
Um, but in this case, it certainly, um, is wrong. It was, it was wrong, but, and I didn't understand how it affected me at the time, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. It felt good. Yeah. Whatever. But it had a, it had a tremendous impact on me. And so anyway, one night I went, you know, I was going to this other church away from that whole crowd and, and I pulled up and got out in a hurry and locked my keys in my car and called my dad and was like, Hey, I, I locked my keys in my car. Can you come help me? And so he came over and I jumped in his truck and I locked the doors and I said, dad, I'm, I'm in trouble. And he was like, well, you know, locking your keys up in your car is not a big deal. I got you, you know? And I was like, no. And I started telling him what I just told you. And, and his first response was, I was, uh, basically he was, um, filled with a lot of, of anger and rage and wanted to hurt everybody that hurt me, which is a normal response from a, you know, from a father who cares about his kids. And, and, and then he moved to protect me immediately. Um, but I got married two years later, roughly two years later, 18 years old. I met this beautiful girl in high school and we talked all the time and we couldn't talk enough. We got married at 18, a few months after we graduated high school and I told her about all this stuff that happened to me, but I, neither one of us really understood how it affected me. And so I would spend most of the first year running from any conflict that would come up in that relationship. And, and, uh, fast forward, you know, our first child came along about three and a half years later. And then in 2009, I got into law enforcement, felt like I was pretty squared away. Felt like I was, you know, I had my faith in check. I was going to church. I was doing all the things, right? Reading the Bible and listening to Christian music. I was squared up. And um, I was not. I had never fully dealt with the stuff that happened to me as a kid and and how it how it affected me, like perspective of a healthy relationship, trust, communication, perspective of faith and God and forgiveness and all these other things. And a uh, really long story short, I ended up, uh, separated from my wife. Uh, one afternoon I came home and took my gear off and sat down in a recliner staring at a blank TV screen. And, um, I remember the sink was, you know, the water was running in the kitchen island sink behind me. And she asked me how my day went. And I didn't want to tell her about the guy who ended his life with a 12 gauge shotgun or the child that had been raped or the other BS that I dealt with that day. And in hindsight, I should have responded like this when she said, Hey, babe, how was your day? I should have said, Hey, I had a really rough day. I really don't want to talk about it right now. I'm not angry at you. I'm just trying to process stuff. And instead I responded like a jerk and just said, fine, you know, with a really hard tone that turned into an argument. And I packed my bags and I left and I went and lived in a portable office building and it had a bathroom and a bathroom by definition only. It was nothing luxurious. And, um, and so I drink and I'd been drinking for a while. I'd been drinking hard and heavy pretty much every night I come home. And on a Sunday morning, I got up and I put on my uniform and I got in my patrol car and went to work. And I'll pause and tell you that since that day, I have tried, um, to convey what happened to me in the car. about six and a half million times. That's how many words I've written since 2015. And I've tried to put into words what happened, but I pulled my weapon out, my sidearm and, and my full intention was to end my life. I had felt for a long time that I was better off dead, better off, never been born. Others would be better off if I wasn't there. I had a very bad case of victim mentality 
but I also had deep, complex trauma, unaddressed pain, unaddressed wounds. And I just, I was tired of fighting. I was tired of hurting and I didn't see any other way out. I felt completely, completely hopeless. And my only hope at that point was to end it all. But I paused, I pulled my weapon out and I paused. And at that pause, I was angry. I was hurt. And I cried out, kind of yelled at God. I'm not going to yell now, but I yelled at God. And I said, I don't know where you're at. I don't know if you can hear me, but if you have a plan or purpose for my life, you can have it. Otherwise I'm out, I'm done. And in that moment, at the end of my rope, man, I cannot explain it. I felt a peace come over me that I never experienced through drinking, that I never experienced in sex. I never experienced in any other situation ever in my entire life have I ever experienced that kind of peace. You know, and if you've ever hugged somebody that genuinely loves you and you know the warmth of an embrace, multiply that times like a thousand or something, because that's what I felt. I felt a perfect love that hit me. And I think what happened in the car that day was I regained a will to live again, the fire to fight again, to fight back. And and I went and found my wife, man. And and I, you know, I can't ex- I can't adequately adequately convey or explain what happened um you just have to encounter it for yourself but i believe i had an encounter with a living god and he changed everything for me and and the proof is i'm here today and nine books later roughly 170,000 lives touched through my books speaking engagements media interviews i don't know i, I don't know how far the reach is at this point but i often think where my wife and my kids would be today and all I would have done was transferred all that pain onto them That's right. That's and, right. and walked away from the fight. And, and I, I thoroughly believe completely with all my heart and soul that I had an encounter with a living God. And, and it wasn't in a church. It was in a patrol car, just me and him. And what happened was the beginning of healing and it's forgiveness and surrender and surrender in this context, isn't defeat. Mm-hmm. It is a path to victory, a path to freedom. And, you know, that's, that's kind of where I've been and, and what happened, but six years in law enforcement, night shift patrol, day shift patrol, traffic homicide, criminal investigations, hostage negotiator. Um, I'm so grateful for every moment of pain for every experience. I'm grateful for every person that hurt me because I wouldn't be here today. And I'm grateful for every moment, every battle, because I'm here today and I'm able to share with you the fact that there is a better way there is hope and there is healing and there is freedom and you can live unconquered. You can live unconquered. I'm not saying you're not going to have some bruises and scars along the way. Of course, you're, going, you're, you're built. He designed as, you to be built to suffer. It's just, but as long as you've got breath in your lungs and a beat in your heart, a pulse in your veins, mm-hmm. you're still in the fight. And if you're in the fight, you're not defeated. And I know there's a lot of people that attend church every Sunday and they sit in pews and they listen to songs and they sing along and they listen to messages, but in the back of their mind and their heart, they feel defeated. And this is a, this is a battle cry. This is a cry to get up. This is a call to get up, to dust yourself off and fight back. And so that's a little bit, and you know, this coming weekend, next few days, we'll celebrate 23 years together. We have three beautiful uh, children and they're not young anymore, but 
Um, I get to travel across the country, sharing my story and sharing the, the unconquered code and, and a message of freedom and victory and how Americans from any walk of life can get up and fight back. I'm an Italian guy. So emotion is sort of, uh, you know, interwoven into my DNA. I'm, I'm, um, I'm at a level I've never been at on the, on this podcast and that's okay. Uh, I've been having a tough week. So your story just kind of resonates. It's not apples to apples, not the same, but just, I've been having a weird emotional headspace few days. And so I'm probably a little more emotional listening to that story. It's absolutely incredible. There's a lot to unpack in there, bro. Uh, I'll start with this. The beauty of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit. I'm just going to get straight up, uh, faith based on you guys for a little bit, but I know you appreciate it here on pick up six podcast. The beauty in the way in which that that Holy Trinity is designed is for moments which you had in that patrol car, right? God of the universe sends his son, who is him, physically to be here on the earth, sends mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit into the other moments, right? So for Jesus to physically manifest and be in that patrol car with you, right? There's a day where he'll come back. It's not, it was not that day, right? We wait for that's that, right. Right, that day. <laughs> but that's the beauty of the Holy Spirit. And that's why I like, I just want you guys to lean in on that a little bit and think about what he sent to Adam on that day. And if you're having a tough time, he can come to you too, but it, it came in you sort of just laying it all there, laying yeah. it all down in that moment. That's incredibly powerful to hear that. And we're grateful for you to unpack all that for us. And we don't take for granted what it means to do it for you to do that, right? For you to go back and recount that. And we really don't take that for granted. It's the same thing I tell you know, guys that we've had on this show that have been a part of some pretty incredible operations and missions to relive when their buddies are lost in battle. Like I don't take for granted what it takes to yeah. do that. So thanks yeah, for doing absolutely. that. The other thought I have from part of your story is even if in that moment you surrender it all, and if you only touch one life moving forward, you've left the 99 to go get the one. 100% brother. But you've hit more. And that's the beauty of his grace upon you for the rest of your days. Yeah. I'll that, stop there because so, I'm going to get myself more wound up. <laughs> I got a, I have this vision that, you know, the enemy and there is an enemy that despises you. He hates you. Hate he you. hates you. Hate he you. Hates he hates you. this conversation right now. He's, re he hates he's you. reeling. He hates it yeah. so much. Yeah. He hates you. And, but there is one who loves you so much. And, you know, every once in a while, we'll kind of get a glimpse of what that feels like. And we can carry it in our heart every day. And, um, but I have this vision that, that through this, through this mission, through this operation, through this calling, through the healing that he's given me, that one day I'll get to heaven when my life is over here and I get home and I get to the gate that there will be one complete cluster of a bottleneck at gate at the heaven's <laughs> gate. And it's going to be all the people that I've been blessed to reach. Yeah. And I, I want, I want Jesus to kind of peek around the gates and be like, where did y'all come from? And I want it to be the lives I've touched. I mean, yeah. I, I don't, yeah. I know that sounds probably egotistical. No, I understand. I, no, I get, we I get what you be, mean. I want to be vulnerable and authentic and real and share real pain so others, which are primarily first responders and, yeah. and groups of men, blue collar Americans and women too. I mean, women are touched by this. I reach women through this, but I want them to, I want them to hear this 
and and find victory, literally victory in Jesus. You know, the enemy gives us nothing, but takes everything. Promises you know, everything. everything. Promises yeah. everything. Yeah, he but promises. It's all empty. Yep. But it's all, you know, it's I've I've wrestled with this whole concept of the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I'm like, I don't understand this. You know, there's so much I don't understand. I'm not a theologian. I've written nine books and I have been and spoken some incredible places and, and been around some incredible human beings who've accomplished a lot, but I don't understand this. But here's what I do know. The joy of the Lord is our strength. What does that mean? We tap into him victory in him that means that we surrender what we have to him so we can experience what he gives us in our weakness he's made strong the enemy comes in and says i can make you happy and our pursuit of happiness becomes an addiction mm-hmm. that leads to destruction and there's a script in the new testament that says the enemy comes to kill still and destroy but i have come that you might have life and life to the fullest that's in john chapter 10 verse 10 i believe Yep. And what does life to the fullest mean? For me, I think it looks like this. It means having victory in your soul. It means having joy restored to your soul. You can't you can't undo what's happened. I can't control what's happened to me. And there's going to be things in the future that I can't control, but I can control how I respond to those things. That's right. That's I can right. talk about I can talk about certain situations and I don't have a negative emotional response to those things because I've been given victory over those things. I I will never compare and do what they call, you know, trauma trophies, compare experiences or situations or stories. And I can't imagine what others have gone through, but I can tell you that it does not matter where you have been or what you have done or what has happened to you, but there is hope and there's freedom beyond that. When you are willing to say, and this is like one of my daily prayers I cannot do this without you. I cannot do this without you. I need you. I need you to go before me. I need you for my breath. I need you for my strength. You are my source of everything. And I think too often we get so focused on the pain that we make an idol out of it, a Mm. God, a little G, that we talk about the trauma. We talk about the experiences so much, and we don't talk about the hope. We don't talk about the freedom. We don't talk about the healer near as much. And, um, and, you know, we can't have each other's back until we resolve our own vulnerabilities and our own areas of weakness. And so if there's a point of pain for you that continues to cause you issues, then there is a way that you can experience freedom in that. And the first step for me, and this is in the Unconquered Code, the very first one is acknowledge the pain. Stop pretending it didn't happen or doesn't exist. Acknowledge it. Be very radically honest about where you are right now. Look at where you are right now and say, this happened. This is what I'm feeling. This is what I'm experiencing right now. All right. Now, what can I do to change that? Okay. I can't control anything that's done in the past, but I can control how I respond going forward. I'm going to tell you something. If you have a family, I'm going to speak to men for just a moment. If you have a family, if you're married, if you have children, if you have friends around you, if you have a good job, if you have a great career, whatever, they need you to show up as the best version of yourself, your family, number one, but you cannot show up as the best version of yourself. If you're still carrying burdens that Jesus has already paid for, 
and he's already called you to lay down at his feet. And whatever it is that you've dealt with, whether it's, you know, and I know that statistically, I mean, it's, it's a high probability that someone listening to this is already contemplating into their life, walking away from the family. They are ready to just quit everything. And I want you to know that it's not the answer. It's not going to solve a thing. I can't imagine the pain you're carrying that's made, that's brought you to this place, but I can tell you that there's hope beyond this. There's freedom beyond this. There's life beyond this. There's absolutely nothing in this world and no one in this world worth ending your own life over. There is hope. There is hope and there's healing available, but it's up to you to choose it. And so in this moment, you have to see, I can't control what happened. I control how I respond. And so we're going to, we're going to begin responding differently going forward. I always like to say that forgiveness is the first step in the healing journey and forgiveness is hard. I said for nearly two decades, I'll never forgive them. I had so much hate in my heart for a long time, deep, deep hatred. And I'll tell you that forgiveness for me is an act of obedience to my heavenly father that I take in a step of faith. And faith is, uh, you know, the evidence of things not seen, but things hoped for. And that's paraphrased. But we believe that if he says something, that he is faithful. He is faithful. God is faithful. And so if he says to forgive, then we're going to forgive. And so I did that as an act of obedience to him. And I didn't feel any different. Don't let your feelings be the thing that, that are the rudder of your life. Don't let the feelings that you have in the process of healing and pursuing him become the rudder and the direction of your life. Allow your faith in him to become the rudder that steers you and directs you and leads you. And then police your thoughts. Be the one who polices your own thoughts. We can't control our thoughts. We have so many. There are studies that show there's 45 to 70,000, sometimes more thoughts a day. And so even, even at 20,000 thoughts a day, if we cut it in half, that's more than we, can, than, than we can control. But what you can do is be mindful and aware when certain thoughts come up and say, that's not healthy, that's not right, that's not normal. How do we deal with that? And so begin that process. And so I cover this a little bit more in depth and unconquered and then surrender. There's 10 of these. I'm not going to go through all of them, but I'll hit surrender. And, and what that looks like is, is it's not a, it's not an event that happens one time after you say a short prayer in a church, it's not an event, an emotional event that occurs at an altar in a church. That's a great place for it to begin, but it doesn't have to begin there. It can begin where you are. And it says, I can't control these things. I can't, I can't do this life without you. And I need you. Mm -hmm. And you begin to take steps to become more like him instead of more like the world and yeah. the world of pain and the pain that you've experienced. So that's a little bit of, uh, in a nutshell, you know, what, what I, what I try to share with, with everybody, I get an opportunity to, but no man, that this is, um, this is, this is a time for the courageous to rise up. And I know that anyone listening to this has courage in their soul. You know, Revelations tells us that the cowards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the cowards are classified in the same category as sexually immoral, the murderer, the adulterer, you name it. Mm. And so what are you going to be? Are you going to be a coward? Are you going to be courageous? And I hope that if anything you get out of my story, you find the courage in your heart and soul to face your own pain and to become the version of yourself that is victorious and learn how to live unconquered because it is possible.
Guys, I got to tell you, uh, you're probably like me just sitting here like, I need more. I need more of what this guy's talking about, right? I want to hear more. I want to read more. He's got loads available for you. You go to theadamdavis.com and you can see it all there. You can sign up for updates. You can just get a lot of great information, right? Obviously, you can support him, right? You can go buy a copy of Unconquered plus all the other things he's written and get the hunch my man's on the verge of putting a lot more out there into the world. That word surrender is also an ego check, mm -hmm. right? Laying down your own ego, removing yourself from the center of the universe, right? So the jackass, yeah. the jackass puts himself in the center of the universe and it all revolves around him. And it's why he seeks happiness over joy. Happiness is a, is a, uh, a, a, a bag of, of popcorn, right? It tastes pretty good. There's no nutritional value. Right? Yeah. No. Happiness is a bowl of ice cream. It tastes really good. I love ice cream. There's I'm gaining no nutritional value from that. Pure joy, right, is laying your ego there aside and removing yourself from the center. Yeah. Right? You see those, right? I'm living third, right? All that kind of stuff. That's what it is. God first, other second, self third. Yeah, I'll tell you. Um on surrender. It's been Four years ago, I think, maybe five. I can't remember exactly. Four or five years ago, Father's Day. My wife and my wife and kids were like, "Hey, we're taking you to the beach. We live like an hour and a half from the beach. We can be sitting on the beach with our feet in the water, and, and an hour and a half from where we live. And so, we often make day trips down there. Favorite sure. place to go. Sure. So they grabbed me up, and we went down to the beach this Father's Day. It was on a Sunday, obviously. We went down and um. I had a black tube, you know, inner tube float on. And so I went out in the water and noticed the red flag, one red flag, it wasn't two red flags. It was one red flag. And that means that there's a hazard and it was rip current this day. Mm -hmm. And so I'm out there and I'm just kind of relaxing and, and enjoying it. And I see a lady some distance from me whose head will come up out of the water and then she'll go back down and she'll come mm -hmm. back up. And I noticed that she's not swimming. She's in trouble. And so I make my way over to her as I make my way over to her, another gentleman is making his way to her. And I noticed later discovered that that's her husband. They were from Louisiana and, uh, I gave him my, my tube and in the process of helping them, I, I was kind of floating in the water and trying to make my way back to shore. And I'm watching them in a the distance, walk back up on the beach and the rip current is pulling me out and I'm thrashing and I'm swimming and I'm fighting and I'm kicking and I'm getting further and further and further out. It, it that feels. ain't helping you. That ain't helping. And, you. I, and I start to panic and I've never been through lifeguard swimming course or, you know, training anything like that, but something kind of clicked in my head and just said, relax, just relax. And so I kind of, flipped on my back and I just relaxed. And I remember the the current carrying me, albeit further down the shore, it yeah, carried but me. Out and around it, and it brings it you carried me. It carried me down. It carried me back to safety. And I was so pissed off. I'll never forget looking up as I was struggling. And I see my wife and kids like kind of panicking on the beach. And I see all these other people with their phones out recording and nobody's coming to help me. And you know, I don't know what's pulling you out and trying to trying to take you out, but if you'll kind of 
do the opposite of what you're tempted to do and relax and surrender the fight. But I'm tempted to, I'm tempted to put my head down and just boom, boom, boom. I'm at a boom, boom. You can't. You can't. You gotta let him fight. I'm talking to myself, bro. (laughs) Half of the time I say things on here, I'm talking to myself. Okay. And 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 nobody nobody's coming to save you. And like in my situation, you know, was it smart to give up the only thing that I had is safety? You know, and so a lot of times we want to go and try to help others, but we can't even help ourselves. Mm. And so we give up our only method to get us back to to shore when what we're supposed to do is say, hey, jump on with me and we'll get out of this together. But, you know, relax, surrender and forgiveness on forgiveness. I look at forgiveness like this. It's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. Forgiveness forgiveness is tough. Um, I look at it like this. You know, you can can go your whole life and say, I'll never forgive. I'll never forgive. I'll never forgive. But I have two two different ways of describing this. The first being, you don't necessarily see the results and the effects of unforgiveness and resentment and bitterness and hatred in your heart until really it's too late. And there, there are scientific studies and research that show that it has negative impacts on your physical health um so let's let's say that you start today and you go to eat fast food every meal three times a day and you do that every day now you do that for a week or so you may gain a pound or two but there's really no negative impacts on your body but if you do that for 20 25 years you're going to have some major issues health-wise. You're probably going to have to have some heart surgery. You're going to have to have some uh, some diabetes medication. You're going to have to have some cholesterol medication. If you make, a, yeah, if you, if you make, you it, make that it that far, yeah. Um, and and unforgiveness is the same way. It takes a toll on you. Mm. It's going to destroy you from within. And forgiveness is not for the offender. You're not condoning it. You're not saying I've got to go and see him face to face, or I've got to kind of re-engage in this relationship. That's an interesting way to look at it. I'm I'm releasing you. I'm releasing you. I'm putting what you've done to me in the hands of God, and I'm not going to deal with it anymore. And you're not going to destroy me. And another way of looking at it is if I have the keys to a, uh, to a prison cell and I walk into a prison cell and I pull that door shut and I lock it and I throw the keys outside of the jail cell. That's what unforgiveness is. Mm. You're, you're holding yourself hostage to pain that you had no control over. And now you can, you have a decision to make. And I'll tell you the hardest person I've ever forgiven wasn't people who raped or sodomized me. The hardest person I've ever forgiven is the one in the mirror. Yep. And, yep. but here's how I look at it. And here's, here's the conclusion I came to was number one, if God's forgiven me and I choose not to, then I'm trying to say that I know more than he does or no, I know better than he does. And, and I don't want to sit in the seat of being a judge and I don't want to pretend I'm God or that I know more than him. And maybe today you're listening to this and you're like, dude, I don't believe in any of that. Well, let's say hypothetically that the amount of knowledge that's available in the entire universe, well, let's just limit it to our world that we know of. The uh, the available amount of knowledge that's available is is 100. Uh, what would you say personally? What would you say, Brian? What would you say your your knowledge level is? If, if there's 100 available, what 100. would you say? Maybe. 
maybe <laughs> mine's like I feel like mine's like four, maybe four. Okay, I was going to yeah. be generous and weigh myself in about thirty five, but if you're saying four, <laughs> I shoot, feel like four. I have to dial it back a little I, bit. I feel like I'm about a four. Okay, uh, but even at thirty five, and and if somebody came in and said fifty, yeah, uh, there's some stuff we just don't know. We haven't experienced yet. Mm. Maybe we haven't encountered it yet. And so my prayer for you is that wherever you are, whatever walk you are in life, wherever space you're in, whatever season, that at some point after hearing this, you will have an encounter with the love of a living God that will change the trajectory of your life forever. Because when you change, generations can change. It affects your children. Your children deserve you showing up for the be- as the best version of yourself, your wife, your husband, whatever the case is. They deserve you showing up as the best version of yourself, and it's not possible if you're holding on to pain. He's Adam Davis. It is Live Unconquered. You go to theadamdavis.com. And my brother, I hope this is just the beginning of many conversations like this. I'm grateful for you, bro. Thank you. All right. Check them out, theadamdavis.com. I'm Brian Jodis. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. 